0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito com. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine and the SB Nation Podcast Network. Make sure to give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcast to make it easier for uh, people to find us. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, June 18th, 2019, and our guest today is columnist Bill Haston of the Tulsa World. Bill's been writing about sports for the world for nearly 30 years, and he's covered all the major sports programs at some point in the state, you know, in, in, at some point in time during that uh, period. And he has yep. new stories out this week, yeah, about Lincoln Riley and Mike Gundy. So, you know, I wanted to bring him on to talk a little bit about the state of affairs for both coaches of the Bedlam rivals. So let's go ahead and welcome him on Bill. What's going on?
1: All right, uh, gr- a great day. I'm uh, in pursuit of a couple of interesting uh, topics. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I I did write about Lincoln. Uh, for the Sunday Tulsa World, most recent Sunday Tulsa World. And then I wrote about Mike Gundy for today's Tulsa World. And um, I just had an idea about 10 days ago that, you know what, these coaches, they have a very specific window in which they can get their downtime, whatever. And and they don't get as much downtime as they used to. But but they're about to – these guys are about to go on the dark side of the moon for about a month before the Big 12 – media event you know in in Arlington so I thought if I could talk to each guy uh, I didn't even have an agenda I just thought I just want to talk to him kind of knock out a QA and a and uh, and I did the same thing yesterday with the Tulsa coach Philip Montgomery so um, really kind of went in without a real totally specific agenda on on Lincoln first time I got the uh, go into his office. I'd seen the pictures. I'd seen the video. They don't do it justice. What a, what an office! Holy cow! In fact, I you know what I would do with that office if I were you? I would I would clear out the office furniture on occasion and make it available for weddings. That's what I would do. <laughs> okay. Make it a revenue. Make it a revenue generator. Uh, but or even you could even have a church. You really could have a church service in that office. It's so beautiful. But uh, so anyway, Lincoln. I just thought, you know, it's a good time for Lincoln as well in that this was only a couple of days uh, beyond his second anniversary as as the OU coach, and when I was driving back from Norman that day, I was just thinking, have you ever, I'll ask you this, can you ever remember a coach succeeding uh, a guy at Bob Stoops' level of success at a superpower program and having everybody be so immediately on board with it and approving of it. And then the guy comes in and he's done everything you can possibly do except win a national title. I mean, it's, it's been historic. It's kind of one of these deals where we're, we're all so close to it that, you know, it's happening right before our eyes, but you really don't maybe take into account the historic context of it all. But I mean, it wasn't like this at Nebraska. When Osborne yeah. took over for Devaney, now Osborne always won, that he couldn't beat OU, mm-hmm. and and he had, you know it's just imagine if Lincoln were 0-2 uh, in the Cotton Bowl, or if he lost to Texas. I mean, I'm just saying Lincoln to have gotten two Heisman's from two transfer quarterbacks, to have won, to have kept OU's streak going in the Big 12 uh, on the Big 12 championships. And to to be two for two on getting to the college football playoff, and then to all the while, absolutely killing it and recruiting, uh-huh. uh, and now you got a five star quarterback. Uh, you know Lincoln has done wonders with Shane Carden at East Carolina for three seasons, and then he and, and he arrives at his his arrival at Norman coincided with Baker's eligibility at Norman, and so he. You know, I mean, I'm saying you got to be good and you got to be lucky. And Lincoln is really good and he's lucky too. I mean, he's, his circumstances have been amazing. So I just think that, you know, because we're all around it every day and we observe it every day, maybe, you know, that's what I tried to do last week is take a step back. And look at the big picture of what has happened with OU football the last two years. And it's amazing. It really is.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and I, I thought your story was great, you know, but one of the real interesting things to think about there is you know, it was such a unique uh, and uniquely handled transition uh, from, you know, Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley. I mean, you know, a coach stepping down in the middle of June normally doesn't happen unless, you know, he's uh, got some major health issues or some type of scandal going on, you know, but, uh, exactly. you know, Stoops, but yeah, and, and Stoops' reputation, he was always um, really well respected in the coaching community as a whole. And, uh, you know, you kind of saw how he handled it there by, you know, I mean, he he essentially set that up to where all the uh, coaches that were on the staff would still have a, you know, still have a job when he moved on. It wasn't the kind of deal where they had to open things up and bring in a whole new staff or anything like that. And. Um, you know, in a certain sense, you know, he kind of, uh, it was a a lot of wins for a lot of people because, you know, I'm sure that Riley had, you know, people that he might have wanted to bring on to, uh, help him coach. But at the same time he had a, you know, kind of a veteran group there around him and stuff. And I mean, yeah, you're right. The, the way that the transition is gone, you'd never really see that when you go from the, you know, legend to the next guy, but I mean, they've really kind of just knocked it out of the park.
1: Hey, and, and think, think about this also. I mean, I remember one of the OU Regents banging the table and saying, "This is a mistake." When John Blake was fired, right? Uh-huh. And then, and then, and then, few years later, uh, you know, Oklahoma wins the national championship. And but I don't know. I don't. I'm sure there was a really. You know, I'm, I'm sure the, the approval rating for the hiring of Bob at the time was super high, but I'm telling you, man, you're, you're giving that job to a guy in Norman with Lincoln. Who's never been a head coach, the youngest head coach in the country. He's been there only two years. And I don't remember anybody raising hell about it. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, it was, so I think there was such a high level of, of trust in Bob Stoops' opinion of the guy. And, you know, you couldn't argue with the results. I mean, the, the Mayfield-Riley partnership was just, you know, historically good. So, um, But it's just – you just don't see it like that. I mean, look at all – look around the country. It wasn't that way when Joe Paterno was out at Penn State. It wasn't that way when Bobby Bowden retired at Florida State. It wasn't that way. at Just name your school. I mean, Tennessee lost Phil Fulmer, who never succeeded – well, I mean, he got him a national championship, but, I mean, on the whole, Bob Stoops' run was better at OU than Phil Fulmer's at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee still hadn't recovered from that. Yeah. And that was over ten years ago. So, um, I, I I just marvel at, at how com- immediately comfortable Lincoln seemed to be as a head coach at a place where the expectations are at the maximum level. And, and you know, except for the national championship part of it, which – he took a big step, in my mind, toward getting that part of it fixed when he hired Alex Grinch. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what it looks like. And I, you know what? I, I wish right now we could look ahead three years and see what it's all going to look like with Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now uh, 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 Lincoln has the chance now to take a five-star guy at 18 years old and mold him. He ain't coming in as a transfer. He's not coming in from A&M or Tech. And he's Lincoln's guy from day one. And I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing what that looks like. And you know what else to keep an eye on? What if Kingsbury lights it up in the league? Yeah. You think – I'm telling you, by extension, uh, Lincoln already is held in super high regard by the National Football League decision makers. Wait and see what happens with it if Kingsbury thrives in Arizona.
0: Yeah. No, um, it'll just
1: intensify the interest in Lincoln. So anyway, uh, but my interview with Lincoln was about, uh, what was it? Right at 40 minutes, 35 minutes. And Mm. uh, we talked about everything from Jay-Z to Eminem to uh, Tiger Woods um, to his back. You know, his. basically, I grew up in the same town he did. Except mine was a little north of Muleshoe, but so we have a lot of common out. You know, we have a lot of common in, uh, background, so it was just, it, it was just nice to uh, get a little time with the head coach, where uh, you know he was relaxed, I was relaxed, uh, and uh, I was pretty happy with the result of it.
0: So, I mean, do you think, though, that, that the public, the people, you know, who just see Lincoln Riley in soundbites and snippets, I mean, do you think that they really know what he's like? I mean, is, 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 what, what's your impression of him?
1: Uh, that he's massively normal. That's, <laughs> that's the word. I'm serious now. That's the word that flashed in my mind several times is he's pretty normal. And, you know, the one question he seemed uncomfortable with, I asked him about money and i said you know rookie athletes get these they have these symposiums and these this instruction on how to manage money because they go from like nothing to you know mm-hmm. um, millions of dollars overnight and i said you know they you don't have that for coaches i said you know you made 275,000 dollars not 4 years ago or whatever it was and now you're at 6 million i mean and i asked you know do do you do you hand that the responsibility of managing that and monitoring that to somebody you trust? Or do you really kind of on the fly, do you have to learn how to manage that kind of wealth? How do you do that? And you know what? He didn't want any part of that question. No. <laughs> he just talked about lifestyle. He didn't. And you know what, if I were him, I wouldn't either. Yeah. That's the truth. I was curious what he'd say. And, and what he said was, that, you know, my lifestyle was essentially the same uh, as it was before. And, and, he said, that's not why I'm doing this. And at a certain point, you, you know, you're just – the the work and the job are what fulfill you. And he's right. I feel the same way about my career. Uh, and I, most weeks, I can't even tell you whether it's a pay – whether I'm getting paid that week. Yeah. I don't even know when – I don't even know on what dates I get paid. I mean, I'm I'm always thankful when it happens. But, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is he, he is so uh, – I think he's too busy being the Oklahoma football coach to give a whole lot of time to the fact that he now is in the uh absolutely top tax bracket you yeah. could possibly yeah. ever be in. <laughs> and did you see the details on his uh buyout, by the way, that yeah. the, the world broke this morning? Yeah, That's oh gosh. I mean yeah. Uh, four point but you know what? Garen uh Eric Bailey broke the story for us and Garen blogged about it uh this afternoon, Garen Eme and Gary made a great point that, you know what, it doesn't matter what the buyout is. If somebody really, really wants Lincoln Riley at, at that level, I mean the NFL, mm-hmm. they're going to get him yeah. and, and and they're not going to be deterred by some buyout figure. So, um, you know, 4.6 million, um, uh, you know, a good punter makes 4.6 million. <laughs> so, Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but you know what I mean. I mean yeah, I'm a, with you. That's not a deal breaker for an NFL organization. So, But it is interesting to see the details of it and the perks and the bonuses, the structure of the bonuses and, and all of that. So, uh, no, that's my, my biggest takeaway from a half hour with Lincoln uh, was that, you know, he's in my lifetime of covering guys, covering coaches, uh, you know, there's always the type of coach like Bob was this kind of coach where it's always he's a coach and you're a media guy.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then with others like Bill Self, it's more you just kinda of get on the same level and you talk. And and Lincoln is certainly on that level. Uh in fact in my lifetime of covering coaches, the easiest guys it don't mean they're always uh in a good mood. It doesn't mean they're always uh accommodating even, but but Bill Self is Probably the number one guy I've ever covered in regard to being easy to mm-hmm. cover, and then and then I'm telling you now, uh, Lincoln is on that level. He's, uh, you know, Mac Brown was the all-time champion of uh, uh, greeting everybody on a, by their first name, yeah. and remembering names, and 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 you know what? There's value in that. There really is. I mean, you can think well. I mean, you know, there's other guys on the other side of it like Jim Harbaugh who don't see any value in that stuff. I think there is value in it. Um, And I think Lincoln, you know, first time Lincoln and I talked was at the Big 12 after he got the job and we were connecting dots on having both grown up in the Texas panhandle. And, you know, I mean, it just, I, I don't know how OU could have done any better at that moment in its history than to have Lincoln Riley ready to slide into the head coach's office just uh, you know through two years certainly it looks like a home run
0: yeah wow well that's that's saying something that is definitely saying something so you know you mentioned uh, Alex Grinch what's going on with the defense there I mean are, are you buying what, uh, what Riley's selling there
1: one of my favorite part of that interview is when we started talking about uh, the defense and, and I said you know Think about the uh, the guys, that, and there were several who were on Blake's final team that lost six times. And um, do you think that those guys, in any fantasy whatsoever, that they were on the verge of something historic? No. Mm-hmm. But you hire Stoops, you hired Jerry Schmidt, uh, the culture flipped overnight, um, and then you know, lo and behold, guys who had become gotten they were used to losing some of those same guys who couldn't beat anybody in 98 ran the table in 2000 and, and I asked Lincoln don't you think belief is at least 51 percent of you know when, when an athlete really succeeds I and mean, you got to have in football you got to run and you got to have strength those are the basic physical requirements everybody knows that but if you don't have some really serious badass belief
0: uh-huh.
1: You know, you're uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna win at highest level, and you may not win at all. And Lincoln said, "I think it's more than fifty-one percent." And I said, "Do you think that isn't that the the most pressing objective now with your defense is you know you you've got these are guys who've had a, you know a rough couple of years and and Lincoln said, listen. These guys want to be a part. They want to be the reason why we win games. And I'm paraphrasing now, but you uh, – well, I'll just say it myself. You know, you won games uh, these last two years in spite of the defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had to overcome the opponent and their own defensive issues. So, uh, how it's going to look this season with, with, uh, uh, you know, with Grinch – Calling the shots and as the overseer, I don't know. I don't know. I know, um, you know. They got some guys who are either redshirted or new in the program, who they're counting on to, you know, provide some uh, rotation help or correct the starting lineup. You got guys like Perkins, who might be ready to go from a certain level to a better level. Um, I like Gallimore a lot. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I, having seen uh, the Corner from Union up close, many, many times over here. Uh, it, it, I think he's on the verge of becoming like uh, like an all American type, possibly an all American type of cornerback. Talking about Trey Brown. Uh-huh. And so, but, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect in an immediate sense. I do yeah. think, though, as, as you see OU in the running, or, or you know, you see big time uh defensive recruits more and more it seems in the last four months considering oklahoma or choosing oklahoma uh if that trend uh can be sustained and if you don't lose grinch to a head coaching job in a couple of years um and if you do you, you just gotta you just gotta cope you gotta yeah, find you the next back, grinch back, right yeah back, absolutely and you can keep it going but uh I'll just put it this way. They ain't going to be last in the country in anything this year defensively. And it'll look a lot better. Is that going to be enough to get you to the championship game? Is that going to be enough to get you uh, past Texas in the Cotton Bowl, past Texas in a Big 12 rematch? Is it going to get you a semifinal win? Is it going to get you to the champ? I don't know. I don't know. But it, there's just no way that it's going to be uh, – what it was last year there's no way it'll it'll, uh it's going to be better i just wish i could say it's going to be they're going to be a uh 45th in the country in total defense which in the big 12 is pretty damn good Mm -hmm. considering that big 12 defenses are on the field for about 14 or 15 possessions a game yeah and you know many you know many possessions per game army defended last season
0: Oh, gosh, <laughs> seven or something? Nine possessions
1: Nine. Nine <laughs> yeah. per game that the Army defense was on the field. So, Gundy talked about it uh, when I was with him, or when we talked uh, on Friday. He said, you're talking about an apple and an orange when you compare Big 12 defenses to other
0: schools and yeah. other
1: conferences. And he said, it's not a fair comparison. And he said, you need to just dwell on points per possession. And that is the only fair measuring stick for a big 12 defense. So uh, my expectation is that you will be better defensively. And, and the biggest part of that, obviously they're being coached and they're going to have new players. And there's nothing that says returning players can't get better, but you know, I believe it Lincoln Riley believes it, that that belief in and of itself is a big deal. And you know, if these guys get through September and there are, you know, overwhelming signs of progress, then look out. They could go into the – I promise you in 2000, uh, even though OU was whatever, 18th, 19th in the country, uh, and maybe, you know, everybody uh, maybe expresses a belief that they can win every game or that they can have a special season. But I don't know that anybody in that program at that time really expected 13 and 0. You know, come yeah. on. And and to to have that October it did, which is one of maybe the greatest month I've ever seen any team have. Uh, so if if OU gets through the month of September with uh, sh- while showing signs of of being a lot better than they were last year. Then that belief just builds on itself, and you and you take a real head of steam into the Cotton Bowl in October, and you, you know, and you know you can, uh, you can, uh, you can achieve great things if you believe you can. And I'm not sure they believe they could last year. In fact, we saw the, we saw evidence that they. Not only did they not get it done, but uh, saw some body language and other stuff that would suggest that they didn't believe they could get it done either.
0: Yeah i i think you, I think that's a, a very fair assessment. But I'm I'm glad you brought up, Gundy. I thought that uh, the stuff that you had with him today was great too. You know, you, this is a guy that you, you got more kind of a history, you know, working with and and whatnot. Um, what right. would you, what would you say is different about him now than maybe when he started or when you first started covering him at OSU?
1: Um good question i mean he certainly you know it's it's funny i mean gundy goes through cycles where he'll be great to work with for in regard to media he'll be great for a few weeks or a few months and then he'll something'll upset him and he'll take a step back and he won't do anything and there was a period last year like 92 days where he wouldn't do anything. He didn't do, he did no media whatsoever. Uh And then this year, there was a lengthy period this year and he finally relented in spring, in the spring and did some media. And now, you know, Barry Trammell and I not knowing that the other guy was doing it, we both requested Mike at about the same time last week. And then OSU called and said, you and Barry can both interview, you know, together, uh, and it was, it was one of the best interviews I've ever had or been a part of with Mike. He was relaxed, candid. Uh, Mike, it is, Mike. when Mike's good in that regard, he's really good. Uh-huh. Um, of course, I got some email today. I got an email from one guy who's interesting. Uh, and there's all, anytime I write anything that's positive about Gundy, I'll get an email like this. But this guy said, you know, I'm a lifelong OSU fan and because i wrote that you know osu getting two more years than expected out of gundy is a good thing and that they got their first victory of the season you know 11 weeks uh-huh. before the season even starts and this person said no that's not how we view it because we want to win big 12 championships we want to uh we want to win bedlam uh so on so on and i'm like i wrote them back because they were fairly polite but I'm like, let me ask you a question. Did you see any Oklahoma State football games in 1989 through 2001? Oh. Unwatchably bad football. Did yeah. you, are you aware that Oklahoma's athletics budget doubles OSU's? Are you aware that Texas's athletics budget is far beyond OU's and 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 that Gundy has had the program in the top 15 in the country? This is this might be the most mind-blowing stat of all, to me. They've been in the top fifteen in the country ten of the last eleven seasons. Okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and and they couldn't beat anybody in the nineties. Nobody, and in their history, they've never been sustained as a as a relevant winning program. Right?
0: Oh God, and no.
1: So Boone gets involved. Uh, Holder becomes AD. Mike gets the job, they redo the stadium, they build the indoor, so on, so on. And so, and I reminded this email person, too, uh, oh, you had a 55-year head start on OSU in regard to committing to football Mm -hmm. and spending on football and really saying football matters to us. Well, you don't make that up overnight. You don't make that up in 20 years. And if you never make it up, and you probably won't, uh, what you have now is so much better than it's ever been. And so every time, and I ask this person the same the same thing I ask anybody else who complains about Gundy. If you could snap your fingers right now and have a different coach, who do you want? And I can give you ten reasons why it wouldn't work. OSU is a, it's a unique culture, and it has been proven time and time again that for whatever reason, OSU people, are the best coaches that they've ever that they ever have at OSU. John Smith wrestled there.
0: Mm-hmm. Josh
1: Holliday played baseball there. Alan Bratton played golf there. Mike Holder himself was a golfer at OSU. Yep. Uh, I mean Gundy obviously. Uh, on and on and on. Eddie Sutton would mm-hmm. be the best example. I mean. Yeah. So, I just am interested to know, and ultimately, you know, Gundy will retire, and then you'll see who it is if I had to bet a dollar today, it's going to be Zach Robinson. But yeah, that's a story for about eight years from now, <laughs> but, or, or six or seven, whatever it is. But I'm just saying, are you kidding me? I mean, listen, Gundy doesn't need me to defend him or bang the drum on his behalf. But, I mean, OSU football was irrelevant for a long time, and their facilities were garbage, mm-hmm. absolute garbage. And then they redid Gallagher because Terry Don Phillips said, if we don't, we're dead. And he was right. And they got that done. And when that was done, and when Les Miles won two Bedlam games, well, I'm way off the Gundy track now, aren't I? <laughs> when, when Les Miles won Bedlam twice, and they redid Gallagher-Iba, the OSU people got excited. And and, and even more important than that was that Boone got excited. Yeah. And when Boone got excited... The result was a $283 million stadium renovation. And Boone was the guy who compels his friend Sherman Smith to donate the money for the indoor. So uh, a lot of important dominoes have dropped in OSU the last 20 years. Uh, Terry Don Phillips, who was the one who hired Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, uh, doesn't get nearly enough credit for being an important guy to get the movement started at OSU. And I personally think he's probably a Mount Rushmore guy, to be honest. Uh, because if Terry Don hadn't done what he did with the arena, stadium probably doesn't get done. And OSU may not even probably isn't even isn't even in the Big Twelve right now. Uh because I mean, you couldn't I mean, did you ever attend games at Old Louisville?
0: Oh god, it was awful.
1: It was awful. It was it was a big outdated eyesore mm mm-hmm. uh uh, with and if you look at pictures of the renovation period and you see the condition of those beams and that steel, it's like I can't believe I agreed to go up in the press box because <laughs> I think looking back on it, every time we all went to that stadium, we were kind of cheating death anyway.
0: So,
1: <laughs> um, but now you know they've got a beautiful stadium. They've uh, they've had six ten win seasons, six in this yeah. decade. And, and and these and there are people who say, "Hey, Gundy, got to go. We we can do better." Okay, I am all ears. I want to know who are you going to bring in. Who's going to surpass what Gundy has? And furthermore, six of his Bedlam losses basically were a coin toss at the end. Right. He's had bad luck in Bevelin, but they can you? Is there? I'm I'm including the Iron Bowl. Is there any big time? Interstate robbery in the country that in the last 10 years has provided more good games than Bedlam. I mean, I'm digging it. I think it's great. Now, I don't have a dog in the fight in regard to being a fan because I'm not. But holy cow, most of the Bedlam games, really, if you draw the line at 08, mm, no, 06 was a good game. I mean, most of the Gundy era, Bedlam has been very competitive and very entertaining. So, um anyway that's the most long-winded answer i think of my life <laughs> i just i would challenge anybody to to fire out a name at me or names uh of anybody they think would be would have done more with what gundy had to work with than what mike gundy got done i just I, it's i don't believe it i just don't
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, uh, most the audience listening to this podcast will will, will, won't like me saying this, but I mean, for my money, gosh, I mean, pound for pound, there aren't many coaches who can do who are doing more than uh, than Gandhi does. Uh, I've never been more wrong about a coach in my entire life. I mean, you know, just because you know I was going off, you know, what he did, you know, kind of early in his career and that whole rant and everything. But man, I mean, you, you know, I mean, he. He has done so much, and, you know, I think that there are, you know, 90% of the programs around the country that would love to have him as their head coach, 95%. I mean, uh, you know, and he keeps, you know, you mentioned, I mean, you know, I remember what it was like growing up when Bedlam was, you know, just oh, you naming the score every year. And it's not like that. I mean, and I know that that's cold comfort to a fan who wants to start winning a lot more of those games, but... Man, like, it, I mean, you know, they come in every year and trade punches with OU. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, to compare what it used to be to that, I mean, it's just it, – it it's unfathomable to me that, that a, a coach could have done that with that program, and I right. I think he's a fantastic coach, personally.
1: I mean, here's a stat that will bother your mind a little bit. So they've been playing football at OU – I mean, I'm sorry, at Oklahoma State for about 100, 100 – 12 years, something like that. And Gundy, as we speak, including his time as a quarterback, an assistant, the coordinator, and now the head coach, Gundy has been on the sideline or a participant in about 29% of all games played (laughs) in the history of the program. And he's 51.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's not an old guy.
1: No. So um, I just think – You nailed it when you said that a lot of schools would love to have an alum coaching football and winning on a fairly consistent basis, winning 10 times a year. Are you kidding? And and yet it's just interesting to me that the same fan base that was just beaten to a pulp for so long and had low expectations for so long that some people within that fan base now think, well, you know, we can do better. You know, ultimately, you're going to have to do better or you're going to have to keep it going with somebody else. You've got to because yeah, you can't yeah. forever. But, I don't know. I just I just think the, that he is a uh, – at $5 million a year, obviously, or actually 5.2 now, uh, obviously Mike is being very beautifully compensated. So, and OSU, the truth is probably OSU didn't even have the money to pay a guy $5 million but but he got it and yeah. uh and for the most part uh OSU does a good job with paying Mike's coordinators i mean yourage made 800,000 last year yeah so uh they're not cheap with their coordinators they're not cutting big time corners there's a few things mike wants mike wants a new uh, uh academic center for football and he wants to do some other things uh but, you know, I mean, he's got the stadium he wanted. He's got the indoor he wanted. I think their indoor is fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so I, I'm, I, I just think in a sense, you know, the OSU people have gotten spoiled. And uh, maybe not all of them, but certainly some of them. And uh, you better just appreciate what you have, and you better hope for the best in regard to the next hire. Because, um, you know, transitions that – are as beautiful and seamless as what happened at oklahoma with stoops and it had never happened that way before at ou no
0: definitely not
1: after wilkinson it wasn't that way after switzer it wasn't that way but it was after bob and uh that's very rare so they're gonna have to hope that you know somebody can keep it going keep winning eight nine even in a year and keep them keep this Bull Street going. They got 13 consecutive winning seasons at OSU. They'd never had more than six in the history of the program before Mike Gundy. So when people complain about Mike Gundy, I if they, if they email me in a polite way, I'm going to respond and <laughs> we're going to go forth. And if they don't, I just delete. But, but it just kind of boggles your mind a little bit that, that there's not more of a universal appreciation for what he's done.
0: Well, you know, Bill, I've taken up uh, a whole bunch of your time here this afternoon, but uh, I'll tell you what, man, it's been fascinating, and, uh, you know, it's it's great, uh, you know, I'll make sure to uh, link to those stories uh, that, that you wrote this week because, uh, I mean, you know, it's great that you were able to catch two coaches kind of, you know, in such close you know, proximity and gave everybody a really kind of a good look at uh, these two guys and two real interesting times really for the whole state in terms of uh, college football. So really appreciate you coming on, Bill.
1: I would, and that. Hey, you just made another great point. How many states in the country have two programs of of this caliber? Seriously, I mean, yeah. you could argue Alabama, obviously. Otherwise,
0: yeah, uh, no, it, it's pretty rare. So
1: that, that's another thing OSU has done is by sustaining itself as a competitive program. It's just more fun. Football's better around here when when Bedlam matters. When Bedlam's a good game, and. Uh, it's good for the Big Twelve. It's good for everybody. So, no, i have oh, yeah. doing this very much. Anytime, anytime you want to talk, you got my number.
0: Thanks so much to our guest, Bill Haston, columnist with the Tulsa World. Uh, you know, make sure to check out everything that he's doing uh, this off season. Uh, you know, a lot of good opportunities to really kind of dig into uh, the interesting stories around uh, college football in this state. So, uh, please make sure to uh, rate and review the podcast, like I mentioned. And uh, thanks for joining us for the Blaine Homer's and Podcast. I'm Alan Kenny. Uh, take it easy.